What's up? What's up? What's happening? I'm your host with the most, Dayan Dunlap. Thank you for joining another episode of Pod Slammer Jammer. On this episode, we're going to touch upon, of course, the football season. Coach Dana Hoverson, his latest comments leading into the West Virginia game. Also going to touch on Coach Sampson's interview with John Rothstein, previewing this upcoming basketball season. And we have a special guest from you all, former Houston Cougar standout receiver Stephen Dunbar, now playing professionally in the CFL, the Canadian Football League, is going to join us on the show later let's get right into it i want to be on guard if i'm honest coaches coach players play you know and that's a great place to be in your life where you could care less what other people think like i said Let's start with the football. I mean, currently two and three record, zero and two in Big Twelve play, coming off a lopsided loss against Texas Tech. And if you watched our Let's Race Cougs, our post game show following, you'll hear our, our thoughts and kind of go through that again. It was an inconsistency within the entire team. First half, the defense really was non-existent. Um, they didn't really show up, didn't really get any stops. First half, offensive was lights out, gave up two touchdowns on special teams, a, a kick return, then also a block punt, which led to a touchdown. So that's 14 points in the first half, unaccounted for in regards to on special teams. Then fast forward second half, I mean, you guys know how the game turned out. Offense really didn't do anything. Defense was able to get a couple of stops, give the offense opportunities to move the ball down the field in which they was able to move the ball and sustain some drives, just unable to get points. And that brings me into Coach Dana Hoberson, his uh, monthly press conference, well, weekly press conference, excuse me, on Monday, in which, I mean, of course, he, he pointed out um, missed tackles, which has been an issue with Houston throughout this entire season. And he also talked about how the consistency needs to be with the offense and the defense, specifically um moving the ball and sustaining drives. And he, he mentioned penalties and different factors they played in, into the loss. And so, I mean, he, he was he was very honest with this, his critique in the game. I don't really have any disagreements with what he said, but looking kind of foreseeing the rest of the season and we're recording this on Wednesday, November 11th, the game the day before they played West Virginia, his own, his former team that he coaches which is surprisingly three and one on this season and I don't think I don't think really no one expecting that and so Houston's going to play them tomorrow in Houston where they're going to be wearing their blackout jersey and so my expectations for that game is kind of foreseeing Houston they're coming off a bye week they had 10 days of rest and so um, I don't think the short week quote-unquote short week will be an issue. I like Coach Danielson gave credit to the Big 12, how they gave have given the team an extra 10 days to prepare, knowing they're going to play on this Thursday. So shout out to the Big 12 for doing that. But I think starting with offense, I, I think Donovan Smith has getting more comfortable in his system and getting more um, 
not only comfortable in the system, like I just said, I think he's getting more confident in the system. I think he, he's able to know the offense, which allows him just to react and play without thinking. And we saw a coming out party from the receivers. I mean, we, we've all, from all what I've seen, we're very high on the receiving core coming into this season. And for some reason, it's been a bit of inconsistent play for some of them, um, primarily their number one receiver, Matthew Golden, who I know hold himself to a high standard. So I'm going to hold him to that high standard, which I believe he holds himself. And he had a few drops um, early in the season with which that really didn't plague him in Texas Tech. Sam Brown, who I believe will be um, an NFL receiver, has been the, the one consistent receiver throughout the entire year. He finally got into the end zone against Texas Tech, had a big game as well. And so I think against West Virginia, I expect the passing game to resume what we saw in that first half. But can they sustain that without a full four quarters? I think they have to get the run game going. People were asking about Parker Jenkins. Where did he go in that second half? Why didn't he get that many touches? Because Dana Hogerson's response was they're um, a running back by committee and they didn't really want to overload his work duty, but he also said that they have a system and a plan in place and regardless of um, going into the game. And so they had a number of snaps that they wanted Parker Jenkins to play, and I think we will see his role continue to grow even more. Of course, he's a starting running back, and he's been electric. So shout out to Parker Jenkins. I, I really love his vision, his patience. He seems to always make the first man miss, but I'm really waiting on him to have that long breakout touchdown run because everyone raves about his speed. And so I think Parker Jenkins at home, of course, had a breakout game against Sam Houston State. We kind of put him on the map, three touchdowns, over 100 yards. But I want to see it in the Big 12. And I think this will be the game that we see it against West Virginia, which they're not the traditional West Virginia they were used to when you think of Dana Hogerson, Geno Smith, Tavon Austin, and all those guys. They actually like a slow it down game, want to make it a, um, a kind of a quote unquote street fight. They want to control the time of position, they want to run the football, and they want to tackle well and force you to execute long drives. So that's what I'm going to be watching from Houston. Can they sustain these drives, not hurt themselves with holding penalties and different penalties to put them behind uh, and behind the chains and put them in obvious passing situations? So I think if they can do that, run the football, have a balanced offensive, att- offensive attack, then I, I think um, I like their chance. I think Donovan Smith, I want to see him a little bit more in the run game early in the downs because he easily can fall four for three or four yards. It seems easy to me, but it's not easy. Um, quote, but I, so I say that easy with air quotations because his stature and his ability to um, run over or fall forward. And so uh, I think the offense is going to well, but defense is going to is where. Of course, my eyes is going to be. I think they've played well enough, specifically in these two Big 12 games, to win against TCU. They played well enough to win. They gave the offense um, turnovers in which they didn't convert into points. So, and against Texas Tech, excuse me, they gave stops and in which allowed the gave the offense time to move the ball and chance to dip into that lead and potentially tie the score. And so, it's just about playing complementary football. When the offense is doing well, the defense needs to be doing just as well and getting stops to get the back ball back into the offense. And when the defense, the offense is kind of sputtering a bit, the defense needs to maybe get a turnover like they have and the offense must convert. So I think they must play complementary football. But the number one thing that I've noticed is the culture isn't there. People are showing, you see spot, uh, excuse me, videos on Twitter in which 
back on the sideline in the Harmon days, everyone on the sideline is jumping up and they're all getting hyped and the energy is there. So I think that's one thing that needs to be reestablished is an energy and a culture in regards to, I don't know how to describe it, but I think that that culture needs to be reset to, I think the players have that mindset in regards to, we're going to put Houston on the map for the city. You see a lot of Houston kids staying home in the city, but overall from top to bottom, starting with the head coach, I don't really see a good culture in place. And I'll be sure to pick the brand of um, Stephen Dunbar, who played under three head coaches, one of them being Tom Herman, and he was under those teams that had success and get his mind frame on that. And so I'm excited about that. And so I'm excited for the game tomorrow. I can't wait. Uh, be sure to comment and give us your thoughts and your take. Continuing on here on Podslam Jamma, of course, I'm Dayan Dunlap. Shout out to my co-host, Andy Yanez, who's changed his profession, is now a teacher and a coach now. And so his availability during the week is limited, but he's definitely still part of the Podslam Jamma family. And so shout out to Andy. Hope all is well with your new position in school, of course. But Coach Sampson went on an interview with John Rothstein, and he talked a lot about this season. A few things that stood out to me as I watched their trip overseas. Those games are on YouTube if you haven't had a chance or mention on YouTube. Be sure you follow and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Pod Slam Jama as shown on the screen, and follow our Twitter and TikTok and social media as well. But one thing he mentioned is this team is one of the deepest teams in regards to guards that they've had. And I think he said that we should expect more four-guard sets this year. We saw a lot of that when I watched the games overseas. And and watching them, I know I feel like Coach Simpson – I shouldn't say I know. I feel like Coach Simpson was playing with different lineups to see what lineups work well together. And that's what you do in those exhibition games. And so you see a lot of four sets. And one player that he mentioned is kind of his Swiss Army knife can play – um, pretty much any guard position outside of point guard, he can play the two and the three and the four. It's Terrence Arsenal. That's one of the players he mentioned who he expects that could take that next step. I think he would be given every opportunity to do so. So in that four-guard lineup, I think some of the times it'll be Jay Wan in there, it'll be JVA in there, or some of the young guys with JoJo Tugler um, and so forth. And so – I think the guards will be a strength of Houston. I think this will be a much better three-point shooting team. And I expect Jamal Shedd to be even more of a facilitator. I think last time at times in which I credited him for doing this because he does a really good job of picking his spots when to be aggressive to score versus when to be aggressive to playmate. Although I think on last year's teams, some of times – he sh- I could he could have been more of a facilitator to get his guys going even more, but um, he does a great job of picking his spots. And I think this year, when you have the likes of starting with LJ Choir, who almost shot 50% from three, is one of the best three-point shooters in the country, who has familiar playing in the Big 12, has a national title at, at Baylor, so he knows what it takes to win. I think those two will be like – Jamal and Marcus was in regards to in that 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 tandem in fast break. Oftentimes you'll see Jamal push the pace and kind of swing that pass to three to Marcus Sasson. I think LJ Cryer will be in that role and will excel in that role. But one thing that he said that he wanted to work on and what drew him to Houston was having the ability and the opportunity to play on the ball and work on his playmaking to prove that he can not only be 
a off ball and shoot the ball really well, but he can kind of lead the team similar to a Marcus Sasser. He's an undersized um, guard. What, what I would, what people will consider an undersized guard, but I think he can not only play on the ball and as well as off the ball. So I'll be looking for that as well. And Damian Dunn transfer from Taylor in which from um, Temple, excuse me, transfer from Temple in which he was obviously um, one of the top two players, him with battle who was, it's now in Arkansas, but both of those guys eventually came off the bench last year. So that was something interesting to me. He's that tells me that he's not only a selfless player, he will do whatever it takes for his team to win. But within that, he's a player that can get you 30 points. He can score. He can play on the ball. He can facilitate. And he's an outstanding free throw shooter. And he has a great knack for getting to the free throw line. So I think his experience and his skill set were really bold well with LJ Cryer and Jamal Shedd. And within this Houston systems, really like a pro system. A lot of pick and roll action, some um, ghost some dribble handoff ghost action will allow him to get in the middle of the floor and create for himself or his teammates. And so I'm excited to see what the guards will be. I am um, continuing with guards. So one guard that we have yet to mention is now I think we consider him a sniper. I think this year he will prove he will be a sniper. We don't want to give him that label just yet, but I think his consistency with the work that I believe he put in is Emmanuel Sharp. I think he's another player who you can – expect to have that next jump coming into this season. I think he won't surprise anyone. He'd be on the scouting report for teams to run him off the line in which he will have to prove that he now has that ability to score off the bounce, whether it be one or two dribble pull up or getting all the way inside and finishing. And I think that's the next step for him and also being consistently defensively. I mean, of course, with Cole Sampson, you're going to have to give max effort to be on the floor, but I think not being a defensive liability and um, being able to compete on the defensive end and get steals and get stops and will um, see his role in the spot growing more. We know he'll be able to be a shooter. Kind of already talked about Terrence, but another player who Cole Sampson said that Houston fans will love and who he think will have a chance to be a great Cougar is JoJo Tugler. The freshman out of Cypress Falls in the Houston area, 6'7", 230 pounds, and his athletic ability really just jumps off the chart to me when I watch him play. Of course, he's a tenacious rebound. He's going to go after every rebound, but his basketball IQ and the way he's able to read pick and rolls, whether it be to slash, whether it be to catch it in the mid-post area and ability to kind of hit his floater or get to his um, – hook game so he has ability and he's a high flyer his athleticism really will jump off the charts when Houston fans can see continue to see him play I think he's going to have a big role we'll see a lot of lineups with him on the floor with um the statesman the oldest player on the team of course that is none other than the captain J1 Roberts We've seen his game grow year in and year out from being more consistent last year to being a starter and being counted on to be an offensive um, piece. He's done that, shows that he can be a low per, low post threat. Of course, he can score with his left hand. I think for me, when I watch him this year, I want to see how we always see him in practice and clips him in practice shooting his mid-range jumper and even stretching out to shooting some threes. And one thing that Coach Sampson and staff does is they identify not only what the next level requires in your position, but they give you the time and, and 
to work on those skill sets. And if you show it that you can do that in practice, they allow you to prove it in the game. And so he has three or four years of working on his jumper in practice. And I expect for him to unleash that in games this year, whether it be in the mid range to potentially shooting a few corner three point shots if the opportunity presents itself. So I think he's going to have a stellar year. I think this year he will average a double double. Came close last year, but I think this year he can really, really average a double double 10 points to 10 plus rebounds. I think he has that skill set. So I'm excited. Cole Sampson also um, mentioned how in the Big 12, in years past, um, in the American, they probably and did win a few games with maybe their B game or their C game. But he said this year in the Big 12, that's no longer. And he said, we welcome that. We welcome that challenge. We're not ducking. He didn't say this. These are my words. We're not ducking no smoke. We're not ducking any competition. We're going to line up, tie shoes up. We're going to come to play. And, um, and so I- I'm excited to see that. He said the Houston fans should expect more conference losses this year. And within that, I mean, of course, you're going to in the best basketball conference in America. So with his knowledge and his experience being in that conference, I expect Houston to not only compete in the Big 12 to win, but but have a few losses in the conference play in which no team in the Big 12, of course, is going to go undefeated. And so I'm excited to see that. But another player who really, really stood out to me in those overseas trips that came back and Coach Sampson really had um, a lot to rave about. That's Malik Wilson. Broke his, I believe it's the wrist of his hand, who he says, so he's out for a few weeks. But in his time, he's really, really an elite defender. Reminds me of Dejan Giroux, who, who, Dejan Giroux, who won defensive player in the year in America in his last year. I think he has that ability to be that type of impact, impact player. He can really do it all on the floor, not only with his defense, but he can finish inside. He can control. He can push the pace of the game with Jamal Shedd or whomever needs to break. He can run the offense, just like the other guards that I mentioned, LJ Carr and Damian Dunn. But he really is that piece, that's X factor. I think he's going to be the X factor for Houston this season. I think a lot of teams will come into the season will be keeping an eye off of him. You hear other names, maybe like Terrence Arsenal and the Damian Dunn's and LJ Carter, Jamal Shedd and, and those guys. But I think Malik Wilson, before it's all said and done, could probably win um, either six man of the year or newcomer of the year in the Big 12. I'm expecting a, a big year from him. And so I'm excited. But right now our guest is here to join us, former Houston Cougar, Wide receiver standout Stephen Dunbar, now professionally playing in the CFL, has since in the NFL as well. And so let's welcome Stephen Dunbar to the show. As requested, I told you we have our special guest today, former Houston standout star receiver Stephen Dunbar, professional receiver for the CFL. Just finish up your second season in the CFL, correct? Yeah, it's almost over. We probably got about two more weeks left, but it's coming to an end for sure. Yeah, well, before we, we get into some Houston first, just kind of tell us about your journey. Of course, you went undrafted went for the 49ers, then you had a stand with the Broncos, and now you've been in the CFL um, now and with your second team now. So kind of tell us about your journey kind of post-college career. Yeah, bro, it's been it's been a journey, bro. It's, it's been a lot of ups and downs. So like you said, I um, signed with San Francisco as a free agent coming out of college. Spent the year up there, mostly on practice squad the whole year. 
um, got cut right after, like right as OTAs was about to start. I got uh, released for the second phase of OTAs after the draft. Got released, came back home, spent some time here, man. Like right, right as the, set, the training camp came back around, I got signed to Denver. Like I was like one of the last guys they signed on the roster. Um, went through training camp there for about a month. Ended up not making a team. Came back to the career, bro. It was kind of rough from there. Uh, that's when they started to XFL league. That's the first, the first go round. I entered that draft and got drafted to the Dallas team. Then I uh, went to came to Dallas. Went to the little rookie mini camp or the little team mini camp or whatever. Ended up tearing my PCL. And then um, they put me on IR. Sent me back to New Orleans. I was out there training. And just kind of just didn't know what was going to happen, bro. Just collecting the checks and then figuring out uh, what was going to happen. It's around the time COVID kind of was starting to become a thing. And then, shit, COVID canceled that season. So, shit, I was back, you know, free agent, kind of rehabbing and didn't know what was going to happen. And I had been talking to uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats when I got released from Hamilton. And I actually was supposed to go up there and sign before I signed at Denver, but I ended up getting an opportunity. And so, shit, we... Um, we ended up waiting, waiting it out, you know, getting signed to Denver. When I got cut from there, I was like, shit, you know, the XFL not working. I'm like, man, at the time, I didn't know nothing about Canada at all. Like, it was like, I just knew it was up there, bro. I heard about Toronto, and that was about it. So I ended up uh, signing up there, bro. The, the uh, YRC coaches gave me a crash course on, like, CFL football and shit like that. And um, we uh, ended up signing there. COVID came around, season got canceled, man. So we, so now it's like, shit, we, I'm back, I'm back in, not at this time, I'm back in Houston because I had started back training to get ready for the season. Uh, so I just continued to train because they said it was kind of had us in the a, in a, in a up in the air if we was going to play or not. And then once May came around, like maybe like two weeks or so after we were supposed to report, they canceled the season. So that, that football season went by. Then 2021, ended up getting an opportunity to play, uh, my first year in Hamilton, so had a solid, had a solid season, and then I uh, ended up signing a new deal the next year. So it was an All Star the following year in '22, and then this year I signed a new two year deal up here in Edmonton, Alberta. So I'm with the Edmonton Elks now on a two year deal. Uh, I was putting together a decent season. I ended up uh, fracturing some cartilage in my ribs, so I'm um, pretty much done for the season this season. But um, you know, man, it's been a journey, bro. It's been its ups and downs, and you know, a lot, a lot still ahead for me. But I'm still, you know, I'm still doing it, bro. So I can't complain When you played against your former team, the Hamilton you had two tugs. How you get busy? How was that to go against your old squad and had a success yeah. that you had? Yeah, that was dope, bro. That was dope. I mean, honestly, you know, you always go back to the old team. You know, things ain't work out free agency, whatever, whatever. You get to go against them and, you know, have a good game. So that's always good. But I got a lot of love for, for uh, Hamilton, man, the city, the organization. Like I said, bro, my story was kind of crazy. So, shit, they gave me an opportunity when I when I felt like, you know, it was damn well over for me. So, Well, I know um, we won't have you for too much longer. So, I mean, let's get right into it. Houston right now is 2-3 and three in the Big 12, 0-2 oh, overall, 2-3 uh, uh, overall, 0-2 oh, in the Big 12. Mm. And so it's a lot of talk right now about Dana Hogerson and him overall as a coach. But one thing in particular that I want to pick your brain about because you had the opportunity to play in the American, but not only that, you was on that 
the the highlight of Houston days what they had recent when you guys went to the sugar uh, was it sugar bowl and beat Florida State? Uh, Chick fil A Peach Bowl. The Chick fil A Peach Bowl beat Florida mm-hmm. State. That following next year, you come, you're the number one receiver against OU. You ball out that entire year. And so you have that experience playing against D1 talent while being in the American. So from your perspective, what's the the talent discrepancy? What's it like when you're in the American playing against those teams versus when you're playing against the Florida States, the OUs of the world? Um, well, I mean, you know, those bigger programs, they have a lot of a lot of resources to build a program up, you know what I'm saying? So it's obviously when you make a jump from, from conferences like that's that, you know, like that, you it takes time, man. So you gotta you, you know your recruit class has got to kind of catch up. You got to kind of get into a place where you can start uh, competing with those guys, not just on the field, but you got to compete, with, you know, on a lot of different aspects for us. Just, you know, a lot of money, a lot of money going through those schools that U of H didn't have access to until a couple of years ago. You know what I'm saying? So we, U of H has been a, a, a consistently growing program, but like I said, it's still, you to take that next step into, like you said, into a bigger conference. You know what I'm saying? You got to, it takes a couple of years to, to kind of get your feet, you know, get your feet under you and figure out what it's like. But on the team that you played on and what you guys had success against those programs and with Houston being where it was at that time, from the talent that was on the team and the talent that you had, was the talent level discrepancy in regards when you kind of compare it to those teams even then into now? Because when I watch the games even this year, I think Houston has the talent. It's just from different situations, whether it be coaching, whether it be um, complimentary football, different things to why they haven't won those games. But specifically from the talent does Houston have the talent? Y'all had it then because y'all won those games. But even from then to now, what's the talent? Is it a talent level discrepancy? I know depth is a huge thing that they talk about, but from the living on the field, is talent talent or what? What's the deal with that? Uh, I mean, talent talent is talent is great. I mean, honestly, you need talent to be able to put yourself in position to win games. But ultimately, I think from the games that I watched from. From from this year, and just thinking about back to when I played there, it's just man, football is like the ultimate team sport, bro. So it's like you need everything to be going in the right direction, whether that be from the support staff, the athletic staff, the the, the weight room, the guys in the in the locker room, the coaches. It's a lot that it's a lot that goes into it, man. We had we had uh, our run at U of H, man. We the culture there was just was just. It was I, I would put it up against anybody, you know. What I'm saying? I would put it up against any program. We we was we was all on one accord as an organization, as a team. We was all heading in the right direction, and everybody kind of thought the same, moved the same, and wanted to do the same things. And we and we and we and we played hard for each other. Like they, those was our real brothers. We we looked at each other as brothers, and we and we played hard for each other, whether we hung out off the field or not. And most of us did, you know. what I'm saying most of us was real friends, like off the field, you know what I'm saying? We hung out, we did everything together pretty much. And um and it's like, you know, it could be it could be a lot of things, man. So it's like I think of course they got the talent, man. They got they got a lot of talented guys over there that can play really good football, but it's like uh you gotta bring it all together. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think that's what might be the issue over there right now is just being able to take take those pieces and put them together and get everybody moving in the same direction. You know what I'm saying? Get that culture rolling in the right direction and get people doing the right things 
on and off the field. You know what I'm saying? Because that stuff will reflect. You know what I'm saying? When y'all stop playing, it's like, bro, you you're not disciplined in in other areas of your life. You can't just expect yourself to just turn it on and be on the field and come through in those moments where they need you the most. You know what I'm saying? You gotta you gotta practice that on a day in day in day in out. You know, day in day out type of basis. You know what I'm saying? And I think that might be that might be it. That's something that Hogan gotta gotta kind of bring back to you a base that we kind of kind of built. During my time there, because when we was before we got there, it was you know the culture wasn't all that great, you know what I'm saying, and that was the biggest thing that we changed, bro, was just the culture around UH football, man. So I, like from 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 what I watch and from what I hear, you know what I'm saying, just from my old teammates that that hang around the team a lot. Obviously, I'm gonna be up here, and you know what I'm saying, I'm not able to just go stop by the by the facility or go to the games as much as I want to to really get a cup up close and you know. Mm-hmm. A close view of it, but from what I see, just some of the mistakes they're making, some of the things that are going on, and I think it's just got to be a, it's got to be a shift in the culture. It's got to be a shift in the culture. Everybody got to be on the same page on the right thing. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that stands out to me because you see on Twitter and different clips of back in the time that you're referencing when people on the sideline, everyone is jumping up. You think about Coach Herman, how he set the culture and how he was able to identify the Houston culture as a as a city and identify that and relate to the younger generation and the players and recruit and kind of build that 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 theme of Houston H-Town takeover in which I think the players are buying into taking over and referencing Houston and bringing Houston back but like you said I think it starts up top and and identifying and establishing that culture and like you said I, I don't really see that as well but um, Houston has been successful at receivers before you, during you, and after you. I mean, the list goes on from you to DeMarcus Ayers to Speedy to Tank to um, right now even Matthew Golden, Sam Sam Brown, and, and Man Jack. What are you seeing from, from the receivers? I think they have a really, really deep receiving core. They had one of the best receiving classes as freshmen got a couple four stars and you know people how people rank those stars but i don't really identify that but those kids have talent and notarized in regards to bring in so what are you seeing from the receiver core and the skill position for houston it's still top tier level because i put them up with really anyone yeah man like his i mean his story like it's history man like you're based like, if you want to play receiver like that's the place to go like a lot of people don't want to go to these big name schools it's like bro like Houston been airing the ball out for years. Like, it's for years. You know what I'm saying? And like you said, bro, it's like even well before well before me, they've been doing it, bro. So I definitely like like the receiver court, man. They've been making some plays and, and they definitely got uh they got some they got some they got some stuff to them, bro. I like I like the I like the game. I like some of the plays that they made down the field. And some of those contested, contested catches they've made as well. Like they're, they're making plays, uh, so I'm excited to see them. Like you said, I put them up against anybody. Yeah, and as Houston, um, what's your expectations for Houston? You think they have the talent to compete? I, I know there's different layers of what it takes to be a winning program, like you just mentioned, from culture to the buy-in from the day in and day out. And which I would agree they don't have that established. But from your perspective, you think they have the talent itself to put it all together. They just need the right, whether it be coaching staff or whatever the case may be, like all the things that you mentioned 
for those to be in place for them to actually take that next step and be a consistent, good program in the Big 12? I think so, man. I think, first of all, uh, like, obviously, they, they've, they've made some good moves in recruiting. They got some, like you said before, they got some guys that are up and recruiting. Uh, and also, they're in a great place to recruit. You know what I'm saying? Houston is an ideal city for a lot of young dudes, man. A lot of people want to, especially in Texas, man, they, they, why wouldn't you want to live in downtown Houston? You know what I'm saying? But like I said, just it's just a matter of, like, taking taking that talent and putting it together. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of the, the next step for them to be able to have longevity and success. You know what I'm saying? As a program, yeah, you might have, a, you know, here a year or two there that you might – you know, do some good things, but if you want to create, you know, what I'm saying some standard success, it's gotta, it's gotta be, you know, what I'm saying like we talked about, it's gotta be that culture. But the talent is there, man. It's always been there. It's always been there since since before I got there. People, you know, what I'm saying people kind of got on the the bandwagon kind of when we started winning and having all that run. But even before that, bro, the the, the, the talent was the talent was there. I mean, you go back and and watch, you know. Case Keenum days, all the way to when G when, when G World was there, even before G World was there, when when we was there, you know what I'm saying? It's like the talent is always there, you know what I'm saying? It's just always got to be, it's just it just haven't never was like spotlighted, what spotlighted, you know what I'm saying? So until we got there, and we like, oh, they beat no you, oh, they beating Florida State, so now it's like people started paying attention more, and then we had Herman had made the big splash, and then it was like, you know, a lot of people was paying attention. But the talent is it's always been there in Houston, man. It's always that's why a lot of coaches love to go there because it's not like they gotta. Even if you take on a program in Houston, it's not like you you coming in there and you working with nothing as a coach. You know what I'm saying? You are gonna walk in Houston and you are gonna have like some guys you didn't even know you had. You gonna be like, oh, you know what I'm saying? I think that's something that Herman walked into. He was like, you had guys that had already been there. They just, we just needed to, like I said, that culture and a mold it, and just to mold it together and put it, you know what I'm saying, put it together. But the talent is there. I don't think you, I don't think you ever have an issue as far as talent. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like that consistency. Obviously, you know, the coaching, the coaching situation is unique there, bro. It's, it's, it's hard for you, you know, it's hard for Houston to keep a coach. You know what I'm saying? It's like that school where it's like, you have two or three good seasons, they're out of there. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's tough for us to, like, to get a coach and start. Because it's like, it's the perfect school, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. for a coach. It's the perfect school for a coach to seek other opportunity. So it's like, yeah, it's tough for that. Exactly. Yeah. But it's, so it's hard for somebody to come in there and, and you know what I'm saying? Like, shit, my, my year, shit, my four years at Houston, I had three head coaches, bro. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, if they could just get somebody to go there and stay there for a little while and try to build something, then it'd be a it'd be a whole different story. So now it's like, okay, not only we get recruits, but you know what I'm saying, the guys who that they know what to expect now. They know the offense, they know the people that they're working with on a day to day basis, their coach is not changing, they know the expectation. So it's gotta be that type of element. Eventually at your age, man, if we wanna take that next step. I mean, we in a bigger conference now, but it can't be that it can't be that kind of stepping stone school that we gonna like I said, like you said, man, try to build something that's, you know sustainable and sustainable facts. Yeah. Facts. Uh I mean before before I let you go, I know uh, we're limited on time, but one of my biggest I don't wanna say gripes, one thing that I noticed being a Houston fan, and I want your perspective as a former player, if you're not if the team isn't winning, fans ain't showing up. 
But if you mm-hmm. winning, then the fans will show up. But from a player's perspective, what's it like playing in the TDECU stadium when some fans may show up, but then when you got big games, they actually show up and they support. So, like, from a player's perspective, what, what what's how you guys view the, the Houston kind of fan base in the crowd? Man, honestly, as a player, you really just got to kind of keep it in-house. Like, okay. you can't even really worry about it. I mean, of course, you appreciate the fans that come out yeah. and support you. And obviously, you notice the fact that, okay, when we losing, the stands are less slim. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when we went in, not a whole Houston in there. They, they dropped people out of the sky. Yeah. All the rappers there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just hot. That's that type of city. You know what I'm yeah. saying? They, they, that's, just, that's just Houston in a nutshell. But I think as a team, it's got to be that locker room. It's got to be that building. And we got to say, okay, man, regardless of who show up and all that, it's all about it's, it's about us. You know what I'm saying? It's about the people who come in, put their work in, and the people who in here every day. Uh, putting the time and it become, you know, what we want to be. So it was just like, I know that's, that was our culture when we got to the base. We already knew that how it, how it worked, you know what I'm saying, for as the fans. And we knew how this football stuff worked when it comes to, you know, when you're winning, it's all great. And when you're losing, you suck. You know what I'm saying? That's just the life we signed up for, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, like, it's like you said, bro, it's just got to be, it's got to, it, once you, once you do, it's almost like, man, you take care, you, you know, you take care of what you're supposed to, all that other stuff will fall in place, man. The fans going to pull up, you know what I'm saying? Everybody going to be, you know, showing love to you. People going to be coming in the locker room, performing songs, and you know what I'm saying? It's going to be that. I mean, we show, we show you some that, you know what I'm saying? From, from, I mean, you just, you go back and see some of the games we had there and the TDC, you say them, where it was sold out, packed to capacity, you know what I'm saying? And, and it was a, a, a epic, you know what I'm saying? Uh, environment, it, and it, it, it can be that. You know what I'm saying? That stadium is perfect for perfect amount of seats. The way the way it kind of overlooks everything is perfect. Like it's just it's a good place, bro. And, and like the student section is always popping, man. Especially when we winning. So it's like, like I said, they just gotta they just gotta like I said, win to win. That's all you gotta do. If you if you do that, you ain't gotta worry about nothing else. Well, man, we appreciate you joining. What's your thoughts on them, them powder blue Houston j- them jerseys? I think that needs to be – Houston needs to make that powder blue their alternate color. I don't right, know, right. Like, what? No, them joints is crazy. <laughs> them joints is crazy. I'm not going to lie. I seen them. I was like, damn, they're going to do something like that when I'm right there. <laughs> nah, but, yeah, them crazy. We have – you know, it's crazy. You U of H always had a blue in it. People yeah. didn't know it. So it's, that, it's a navy blue. It's a navy blue. It's a navy blue, but I like the Oilers baby blue way. It's way more. Like, I think you could do more with that blue than that navy blue because that navy blue can get kind of lost in the sauce a little bit because it's just like, is it black? Is it is it blue? Right, right. But that, but that, but that Oilers that Oilers unit that was crazy. I ain't gonna lie, they gotta bring that one back. Uh, for sure, man. Well, I appreciate, of course, to have your time. Tell all our fans where they can find you at, how they can support you. And because, you know, cool fans, once you're a cool, you're a cool for life. They'll, they'll support you. Tell them where they can find you and where they can support you at. Yeah, uh, my uh, Instagram tag is uh, that's Hercules. Uh, I think I got underscores in there somewhere. But you can just type my name in, Stephen Dunbar, all the, all the socials and stuff. They should pop up. Well, most definitely appreciate you having me. But no, he, not only my brother, my frat brother, my friends. So I appreciate you taking the time yes, to, uh, today to, to join to join me on the show. Appreciate it, Noob. No doubt, bro. Anytime, man. Appreciate you having me. All right.
Yeah. Well, as we continue on to the show, again, special thanks to former Houston receiver Stephen Dunbar for joining us on the show. But let's continue on to the talk. I mean, like he said, there's a lot of key points to kind of break down what he said. One of the few things that stood out to me was, number one, culture. And I know that's prevalent with the Houston men's basketball team, but it's just as important with the football team from all the way from top to bottom. And for me personally, I don't see a consistency in holding himself accountable from the top starts with the head coach. Now, does that trigger down to the players and et cetera, et cetera? But although, like Dunbar said, once you have that culture in place, you have a consistency and you have players with a consistent mindset to be um, good men off the field and consistent off the field, and then all that will translate on the field, especially in those critical moments, I think Houston can have success. He definitely said that Houston has the talent, no question, year in, year out, going back to years. It's just about developing that talent, putting all the other factors in place so Houston can be successful. And so, again, thank Dunbar for joining us. Well, that's it for this episode of Parson and Majama. Thank you all for joining me. I'm Dayan Dunlap, of course. And you cannot end any episode without saying go cool. So be sure to follow us and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's Pod Slam Majama Light Shows on the screen. Be sure to follow us on Twitter as well.